0: Hi y'all. Mads here. This week while recording and rendering the episode, we did encounter a little issue where my computer crashed. So if there are any odd noises or moments that cut out, we do apologize for that. And we hope you come back next week for Storybrooke.
1: Miserably ever after.
0: Why do you think it's so important that your your fairy tale theory is true? I don't know. Give it a shot.
1: This can't be all there is
0: Welcome to Story Broke.
1: Miserably Ever After.
0: The rant cast about once upon a time. This, we
1: we got a fun one today, because we, we don't fun, agree. We
0: do not agree on this one. I'm Mads. I'm Elaine. And this week we're talking about episode five.
1: That's still small
0: voice. That's still small voice. So I keep thinking this episode name is a, a biblical reference because that's apparently like a line of the Bible. I'm not, I'm not Christian, so I don't know. I do not know that. Yep. I am a Christian. But, <laughs> but so like I look online and uh, they're like, so this episode title could be a reference to the Christian Bible, Mahatma Gandhi, or the original story of Pinocchio and I'm just like I'm gonna go with that one that's probably <laughs> that's that's probably where they were pulling it from I'm
1: just gonna take a wild guess and think that it might be from Pinocchio which they probably got from the bible
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: but you know <laughs> there's a whole whale thing in there that's Job obviously
0: oh yeah, yeah. oh snap it just now I'm making the connections <laughs> Okay, so I think we need to summarize like what this episode was about right off the top.
1: Well, this one's going to be a little longer because we got a lot to discuss. Yes. So, here's the basic plot.
0: Emma Swan's personal suspicions about the curse begin to change direction as an earth-shattering event perfectly coincides with her donning her brand new deputy badge. The whole town heads over to the old mine, which has started to dangerously collapse. Upon seeing his mother, Mayor, conspicuously pocket something on the site... Henry decides the proof he's looking for must be in the mine. He tries to get Dr. Archie Hopper to help him, but Regina has already threatened Hopper's livelihood. If he doesn't break her son of his delusions, Archie will lose his practice. So, Archie calls Henry's belief a psychosis and breaks their delicate trust, pushing Henry away and into the mines alone.
1: In a faraway land long ago, a boy named Jiminy struggled with his desire to be a good person versus his parents' desire to scam good people out of their valuables. In a desperate effort to be as free as a cricket, he acquires a potion from Rumpelstiltskin to assure his future. Unfortunately, his father swaps the potions during a scam, and an innocent family is cursed instead, orphaning a young boy. Jiminy wishes to make things right, and the Blue Fairy, who cannot undo the curse on the innocents, turns him into a cricket instead, so that he can be free to guide the young orphan Geppetto through his life as a conscience.
0: Archie and Emma head to the mines to retrieve Henry, and Archie rushes in heroically just as the opening collapses, trapping him inside. While Emma and Regina are forced to put aside their differences above ground, Archie and Henry try to find an escape. A failed controlled explosive rescue attempt leaves them dangling helplessly in an old elevator, where they're able to apologize to one another and begin to rebuild their trust. Archie thanks Henry for helping him find the man he wants to be. Emma is lowered into the air shaft to rescue them, and Archie nearly plummets to his death, but is saved by his trademark umbrella. As the community rejoices in the successful rescue, Regina drops a piece of glass down the air shaft, which lands on a familiar glass coffin.
1: While all of this is going on, Mary Margaret realizes that her morals are being compromised by her obviously requited feelings towards the married David Nolan, and resigns from the hospital volunteer program.
0: So this one's a doozy. A
1: lot went on.
0: A lot happened in 42 minutes?
1: Yeah, it was, it was, there were a lot of things. This one reminded me the most of an improv form. That we have called the Madam Tatum because it had its main storyline, its adjacent storyline, and then it had the Mary Margaret stuff, which was a tangent. Yeah, right? it
0: had all these tangents. And
1: it was it, it. was like, wow, this one's improvised, but it's not. It's obviously written. So we're going to start today. We're going to go like story by story, theme by theme today. And we're going to start with the Mary Margaret and David plot. Okay. So can we blame David for this? Because what's happening is, you know, he doesn't remember anything. He hasn't been awake at all this whole time that they've been cursed. So is it really his fault that even though this woman who is caring and loving and they both feel so bad about how loving she is, he has no feelings towards her and he's obviously pushing his affections onto Mary Margaret. Can we be mad at him for this?
0: Um, I have in my notes for David Nolan, who, while he remembers nothing, does know for a fact that he is a married man. <laughs> Damn it, David.
1: Damn it, David.
0: Um, I, Yeah.
1: I mean, and Mary Margaret says it best. This wouldn't be so hard if she weren't so nice. And she's yeah. just so loving. She's doing nothing wrong. I wrote in my notes, poor Catherine with a little broken heart. Because, you know, if in her memories she did everything wrong and she's the reason her marriage fell apart. Even though there were probably some very good reasons as to why their marriage fell apart in their little story that's built in their heads. But I it's it's obviously it's obvious that Mary Margaret is trying to be professional about it. And like he's playing hangman and the word is her name.
0: It's so just He's dude, a little
1: obsessed.
0: Dude. Chill. Though I did like in this scene, uh, in the hospital scene when she leaves, she's carrying a pair. Oh it's like I a missed nice, it. I she's missed carrying it. a pair.
1: I did like everything she was wearing. It was just so sweet. It everything was, she wore was sweet. This everything episode. she wears is great. Everything she wears, and and like I said, I can't fault I can't fault poor sweet innocent wife for anything in this, and that's part of the curse. Yeah, the part of the curse is that it's so awful because no one's awful.
0: I have to say, I give Mary Margaret a lot of props uh, for recognizing that this is a rough situation and having the maturity to say, okay, I need to step out of it. This Thanks. is this is not okay.
1: I need to remove myself from this. Exactly. Yeah. Though yeah. it's a little awkward how every time the wife comes in, she immediately leaves. It's like... That's super awkward, girl.
0: Super awkward. It's just like, hey, we talked about it before. We've already brought up the forbidden uh, curse that is improv. Um, improv is the dark curse because we can never truly <laughs> really escape it. I love improv and I make a lot of... I rag on it a lot. But it was... it was interesting. It was entrances and exits. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you need to have a reason to leave. Not just like, wife, Sarah, Gotta
1: go. Yep. Now but- like, oh, oh, is it that time? She did do an, oh, is that the time? And then like pick up and leave. Even though she had just started a new game of Hangman with the dude. Um, and like I said, th- this whole plot just makes me feel sad for everyone involved except David. Like I feel sad for him in that he can't remember anything. And he's just trying to make sense of what he's got. But at the same time. Bruh. He's pushing it. Yeah. He's making everyone uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, so it's it's uh it's the d plot of this episode. So I you know, I don't have a lot to say about it other than what I've said.
1: Yeah, it just makes me sad. Though and yeah. it's supposed to make us sad. So good job, writers. This yeah. plot makes me sad. It makes me mad at David, and it makes me really sad for Catherine and then Mary Margaret.
0: Now at this point, at this point in the show do you think that maybe she's a little too nice?
1: Because of her backstory? No. Because she is trying so hard. So even if she is mad that every time she goes to visit David, Mary Margaret's there, she's trying like forcing her way through it because she wants to make it work and she wants him to get better. She's not trying to start a fight because that's what made him leave in the first place.
0: Uh, see my, That's her
1: part of the curse.
0: My being genre savvy and accepting that this is a fairy tale, I don't trust white people with baked goods.
1: Fair. Cranberry muffins though sounded really good. I could oh eat some god. cranberry muffins. Oh god, I want an cranberry mama. I mean, though I did not my favorite <laughs> my favorite line from all this was who names a dog Ajax?
0: I don't get the joke. It's I don't just know. A bad it's just <laughs> it's
1: just a bad joke. It was just out of nowhere.
0: I was like, just like, I feel like there's a reference I'm missing.
1: i probably I'm probably missing it too. If you know what that reference is, tweet it at us. Thanks.
0: Maybe it's Superman's dog. Ajax, the Wonder Dog. <laughs> No, I've been, uh, as as is my want, I'm always binge watching some other show, and uh, I've gotten obsessed with iZombie, because my NaNoWriMo project, someone told me, hey, that's a lot like iZombie, and I was like, crap. So I've been binge watching it, and there is a guy who is basically Prince Charming on that show yes. named Major Lilywhite. Ooh. Lilywhite.
1: Wow. <laughs> that would be, if someone could pick a last name, that would be what they would name me.
0: That should have been Miss Blanchard's name. Aw. Mary Margaret Lily White.
1: Oh, that would have been good.
0: That's so many names. That would
1: have been so long. It's funny though.
0: With four names, we would know she was Snow White.
1: Anything else about this topic? No. Nope. All right, we're done with we're done with Mary Margaret David and Catherine for today. Let's move on to the Jiminy Cricket origin story. The Jiminy Cricket origin story, in this case, is based in uh, parental guilt. Yeah. Like being manipulated by your parents' love for you when they are obviously doing it for their own financial gain.
0: Yeah. It's it's a form of abuse.
1: It's absolutely. He's abused his whole life. He's, you know, he's told he doesn't care for them. You know, he might as well just stick with them. What's he going to do with himself? They love him and they're getting old yeah. and they're not Ever written to be sympathetic.
0: No. And they actually made them more sympathetic from two of the changes that they made to this plotline. There are two deleted scenes from this episode. And both of them come from the Gemini Cricket origin story. Oh. Yeah. One of them is really early in that shows a teenage Jiminy. So they completely cut out this actor. Oh, they yeah. filmed it. It's in the production photos. And then they just said. Pff! But a teenage Jiminy. Wandering around the market uh, of this town that they visit later and basically wanting to get out and his parents pulling him back in. I think the director felt that that was kind of like hitting the nail over the head to hitting it over the well, head a few more times than it needed. But I'm
1: just and it shows how effective the abuse had been on him and it was supposed to show how weak he was. Um, by authority figures in that he never tried to run away from the circus. He never like he just wished he could leave and he told them he wanted to leave. But he never actually did something about it until he yeah. suddenly was bringing stuff to Rumpelstiltskin in a something that's not explained whatsoever. No. Except he's bringing some stolen goods and the names of the people who owned the stolen goods to Rumpelstiltskin. And for, for, reasons. for some for in exchange for gold thread that he's spinning, which most stiltskin thing you can do other than stealing babies is um, spin
0: gold thread. I, I like the foley as he's putting the gold thread into the and makes like a nice like clinky noise. And I'm like, eh.
1: yeah, I mean, the scene the scene itself was great. I liked the mood. I liked the little setup they had for it. It just didn't make sense that they were also stealing for Rumpelstiltskin to me.
0: It felt like they needed to put Stiltskin in as he is the background villain of everything. Yeah, so. he
1: weaves it all together. He's got his hands in yes. everything. And so, yeah, he gives him a potion that's going to help him. He's going to use it on his parents and he's going to free him. And this is like a jump. Like, how would you jump from I want to leave to, well, I guess I'm cursing my parents without ever trying to just escape first?
0: The escalation is, is really weird. And just- especially for a character that we've established is so... Weak and so frightened that it just seems like okay, this is an odd direction to take.
1: It was a jump, yeah, it was jarring.
0: Also, I have to say, the parents okay, they're evil and they're horrible, but they are fantastic the to actors, watch. They're so fast.
1: The actors were fun. I enjoyed the actors. Like I said, there was they were written to be so bad. And they were fun to watch.
0: I would love to watch a production of Les Mis with these two being. Uh, oh God, what's the the innkeeper oh, and the, yeah, yeah, the
1: innkeeper and his wife. Yeah. yeah, that's who I. That's who they felt like to me. Yeah, they had and this they great vibe. They weren't written evil like all the evil people were. They were subtly evil in that they were like, you know, it's the economy. This is capitalism. You know, we steal from people who steal from people. This is how the this is how the economy works. It's economics, yeah. <laughs> and and they're just very like jovial about their control issues issues they're controlling
0: are you saying that under capitalism all labor is stolen am i I, it feels like it
1: i don't feel like i directly said that i feel like i was quoting the tv show but probably
0: it feels like um my aggressive leftism is leaking onto you i used to live here oh yeah that's right
1: (laughs) just saying just saying
0: Secret Louisiana Commie Collective. <laughs> I'm cutting that out of the show.
1: Please at Mads. Uh, so like they're out of all the bad guys in this show, they're like the calmest. They're like they're neutral like
0: neutral evil. They're, they're just they're just crappy people. It's
1: personal gain. They're just out for personal gain and other people have plenty to spare. And what's who's it hurting? Except their pocketbooks. So they don't see that they're doing any harm. Really, as long as they don't get caught. So the Elf
0: Tonic. miracle elixir. That's what did the trick, sir. True, sir, true. So the Elf Tonic. So we established the Elf Tonic as a, as a repeated con that these people do. Um, it, it gets hinted at a few times in the episode. And we see the Elf Tonic bottle pretty early into them going to do this con... And it
1: looks exactly like the bottles of potion that they got from Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, it's like,
0: really, this should have been maybe like...
1: He should have checked his bottles.
0: Yeah, like, Jiminy. I know you're a 40-year-old man named Jiminy, but please, please just give it just like a little thought. Just like...
1: And he, he's, does, you know, he's still trying to convince himself that there's good in his parents. Yeah. After all this time... Of We don't have to do this. Let's just have a nice night. You know, let's just leave them alone and just do the show We make plenty of money and they go and they do the Elf Tonic Con anyway. Yeah Um. In I- which Jiminy gives his best performance Of, uh, oh no, not the plague.
0: I cracked up.
1: Well, you have it, right? Smart folks like you. We've never heard of it
0: Oh, no. Oh, dear God. Oh, no, you're going to die you I like, loved it. I a, loved it
1: so much. He's done this so many times and he hates it so much.
0: I, I, and again, this is, I love this snake oil salesman scene between, with the parents. I mean, they're awful people, but it's just fun to watch Oh, your them. cobbles
1: are so straight. <laughs> <laughs> I love broth.
0: <laughs> what was the, uh, oh, look, is that real thatch?
1: Yes. <laughs> like all of their little compliments to this sweet little couple. And the ladies got, once I've I fussed about hair curling on this show a couple times. I realized that's going to be my trend. My hair's beautiful again today because it got done yesterday. Um, but I understand that they wanted the wife to have ringlets because you see a lot of ringlets. But if you're going to do ringlets on an era show, you want to do like pin curls or rag curls They used just straight up a regular like three-quarter inch curling iron barrel with hairspray and just didn't comb it out. And it looks modern. Everyone else's hair is like perfectly teased or naturally curly. The dad's got this great curly hair. I called him the dad. Whoops. Uh, The husband has this great curly hair. And then there's the wife with her modern barrel curls. And it made me... It took it took me out of the scene. It took me <laughs> It took me out of the scene.
0: Well, I I thought it was weird because I thought it should have looked more um more fake because the husband's hair is so like we're trying to convey that time has passed and they've aged up the mom's makeup.
1: Oh, we're talking about two different Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: The um Jimmy's parents. Yeah. Um who have names. I can give you their names. I don't uh, know their names. I have them pulled up. This is not going to help at all because you don't know them, but their names are Martin and Myrna, oh, okay. yeah, they're credited as Martin and Myrna, also, one of the production notes is they are dressed uh very, very, very similarly to the Fox and the Cat from the Disney version of Pinocchio.
1: oh, that's, that's cute. That's, that's I like, like it. a nice touch. Look, all the Rinfair chic in all of the these Jiminy scenes just made me so happy. Yeah. Because I can't go to Ren Faire this year.
0: Something I, I loved about all the storybook scenes... Storybook scenes. Something I loved about all the Enchanted Forest scenes in this episode... And most of the ones we've seen is how oversaturated all the colors are. I think that helps really convey that something magic is happening. This is a magical world. It's always just like the colors are bright and blown out. It's
1: completely normal for something magical to happen in this world. It's yeah. just a part of life. And I love the, the super saturated watercolor effect of everything. I like it. Yeah. It's like the storybook. Oops. Yes.
0: Oh. um, I, I think I got... I got uh, distracted, but I, what I wanted to say was I did think though her hair should look more more fake to show that this is either a wig or a really bad, um, you know, fourteen hundreds dye job or something, just so that we can the s- s- feel the that mom time or the back. innocent lady, the the mom, yeah, Myrna. I mean,
1: I liked her. I liked her teased up like innkeeper's wife type style yeah. she had. It was. It, I I enjoyed it, and she she looked like one of the washing well winches to me, so that made me real happy.
0: (laughs) Overall, this whole storyline ends with, the the innocent family being oh cursed to turn into the nastiest looking puppets. Isn't
1: that the most horrifying thing? Like you walk in on these nice people and they're they're like horrified looking puppets that are holding hands. Like they're still holding hands when we see them in the shop later. Oh god,
0: they look awful. They're they still holding hands,
1: and it's like it's like they're terrifying looking. They couldn't at least be cute puppets. No. And and this horrible fate. Like they were taking this elf tonic, which was supposed to keep them immune from this incoming plague, and now they belong to Ruffle Stillskin.
0: As yep. puppets for, yep. f-
1: for eternity.
0: Yep. I also, th- just reproduction note, I did not like the paint job that they did. The artificial wood effect that yeah. they did for the faces looks really odd.
1: Well, that's magical wood.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's magical wood. It's not natural wood. Mm-hmm. We'll see it later. <laughs> we'll see it again later.
0: Oh, yes. We'll see We'll see some magic we'll wood some- later.
1: Oh! oh. What? What? <laughs>
0: I'm talking about a future story. Like, I know, oh, I know. Like it just made about- me
1: laugh because phrasing. Phrasing. Um, um, he finds out the hard way that he tries to curse his parents because this was the last straw. Yeah. And throws the elf tonic on them and still doesn't just run away from them.
0: Okay. Now here's the second cut scene. Oh. So the second cut scene of this episode, he says, Fine just leave me behind this is terrible i don't want to be with you anymore leave me behind i'll take care of the family i'll find a way to care for their kid you just go away and they say if they if he doesn't come with them they'll tell the police
1: so now they're blackmailing him
0: now they're blackmailing him and i feel like this scene could have happened earlier
1: Yeah, because some
0: some scene to this effect to force him to stay with them could and should have happened earlier.
1: Yeah, because otherwise he was just completely complicit the whole time. Yeah. Which is, he doesn't think he's a good person in general. So, because his father keeps saying, you are who you are and you can't change that. Da-da-da. Yeah. Reinforcement. Um... So in with that magic is completely normal here, he makes a wish on a star that ends up being the blue fairy. Of course. And as with most of the magic in this series, you can't undo some things, but you can only undo the things that happen to bad people. So you can't can't undo the fact that these two innocent people were turned into puppets. Now, if they had been villains, there would be a cure.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: If they've been villains, we'd have had a cure next episode. Absolutely. At the latest. But because these are innocents, they stay this way. Oh, yeah, there's no one doing it. Nope, can't do it. There's All curses can be broken, except probably this one.
0: <laughs> all curses can be broken. Unless they're puppets. Unless they're
1: puppets. So instead... And I think it's so interesting how the cricket has become the theme for freedom, like the the symbol, the mascot yeah. for a free spirit in this. And so he wishes to be a cricket.
0: Yeah. And I got to say the blue fairy, dude, revenge of the bronzer. She is brown.
1: I couldn't tell if she was a white lady with too much bronzer. Like that's that's what it was. I was I was confused by her ethnicity in this scene, and there was also a lot of blue light um, because
0: of how much bronzer they piled on this one. I've I've seen her in other shows. She's on the Magicians. She's she fantastic. is a white lady. She's a very white lady. Okay, she is. She's very light skinned, and they put, but they put so much bronzer on her, and it just is like, wow. I guess they're trying to contrast with the dress because I know it's 2011, but it's not like. Were we still like heavy spray paint, spray tanning back then? Yes. Oh my God.
1: I mean, I wasn't, but yes. Yes, okay. we were. Spray tan booths were a thing.
0: Well, again, watching Too Much Eyes Zombie. So clearly the Blue Fairy is a zombie.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: The zombies walking among us spray tan, So you can't see how pale they are.
1: Got it. I didn't know that. But anyway, <laughs> he becomes a cricket with a little mini umbrella. I love the little mini umbrella. His little tails. Um, so that he can guide Geppetto that way. And also he can disappear from his family and no one can arrest him now that we know the other deleted scene. Yeah. Um, it's the easiest way for him to get out.
0: Yeah. and so,
1: so with the deleted scene, now it makes sense to me.
0: Now it makes Thank sense. Thank you. Because I was yeah.
1: mad about it because it comes out of nowhere. It it's, comes out of nowhere. It seems cowardly.
0: It was a weir- It's a weird scene to cut. Because it
1: doesn't feel like there were consequences.
0: No. I felt like maybe we could have not had the Snow White and Prince Charming storyline this episode the the Mary Margaret David Nolan storyline this episode and could have spent a little more time on this storyline just to kind of make it clearer because it is to me the weakest point of this episode I don't mind it as much because it's well acted the whole way through, it looks pretty, and it looks pretty. It
1: looks real pretty, you know, and and it gets across a basic origin story.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm willing to forgive a lot if something looks pretty and entertains me. It's true. Which was the problem last week. It didn't look great, and it wasn't entertaining. <laughs> this this is fun, you know. So I'm I'm like okay, it's definitely got its wonky moments, but I'm I'm more than okay with this whole scenario. Yeah.
1: So he becomes a cricket so he can be the man he wants to be. Yes. Final thoughts on this storyline.
0: I think I just gave him. I mean...
1: I was just making sure because we're moving on.
0: Yes, we need to. We're
1: going to move on to the larger ranty topic for me. And we'll save save the minor one for the end. Yeah. Um, The larger ranty topic for me comes from Archie's Questionable Ethics. Archie Hopper is, I guess, the only therapist in town... And I guess that your uh, imaginary curse-based counseling education program doesn't have an ethics...
0: An ethics board or anything? A course, even.
1: Um, Because he is so easily manipulated into screwing over his patients. And this
0: isn't the first time.
1: This is the second time we have seen him do it since Emma has gotten to town. Yes. How long has he been doing this?
0: Yeah.
1: It makes me... So mad.
0: Yeah. Now, I do think that um, we're going to operate on Buffyverse rules. A small town is as small as the plot needs it to be. It's true.
1: This town is bigger than both bigger and smaller than we think it is at all times. It is both easily walkable and everyone owns a car. Yes. Right.
0: It's Schrodinger's small town.
1: This this whole storyline reinforces that he's scared, weak, and cowardly. Because he can be easily manipulated by a big, scary woman in power, he does more harm than good to his patients, but not in the way that he's being accused of. Like, Regina comes to him and says, you're encouraging his delusions. You need to crush it. Or I will crush you. And he just caves. Yeah. Immediately caves. It's another
0: example of, I kind of wish she had something over him. Hey, how about maybe (laughs) since we've already seen him... Do something ethically and morally questionable. Why not hold that over him in some capacity? She has nothing on him other than she does give she off big dom energy.
1: I she 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 makes it sound like as mayor she can close anyone down she wants to. Yeah, mayors she's, have mayors. I she, mean, this is storybook, I guess she made up the rules.
0: She's not mayor of. Josh. Who is the worst? I'm bleeping his name out in the actual episode, but I'm leaving.
1: Our mayor president bleep is the worst mayor president, whoever mayor presidented.
0: He's garbage. Local politics. Local
1: politics.
0: We live in a town that is um, approximately larger and smaller than Storybrooke.
1: Yeah. Less walkable, though.
0: Significantly less walkable.
1: <laughs> um, so. Excuse we me. We live
0: in Bonton, Louisiana. <laughs> oh,
1: Gross.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, this is where we all got our Georgia accents.
1: Oh man, I don't know what you're talking about. You, am going to talk like this. I got it from a, I got it from a tape.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that we talk so much about other TV shows on this podcast. I usually instigate it, but I, I like TV. <laughs> I just appreciate long form storytelling and being able to like, just, just take 70 hours of my life and just boil them away
1: technically the reference that i just made has a connection to (laughs) Storybrooke.
0: it does ah okay spoilers
1: sorry sorry okay so she threatens to shut his business down if he does it she might as well just counsel her own son at this rate
0: yeah it's just like it doesn't seem
1: why are you paying for
0: this why are you paying for this yeah, it, it doesn't seem responsible on her part.
1: I, I feel like he could have just responded by going, well, then I guess you need to find another therapist. That's all he could have said. That's all he should have said was, if that's the case, I guess you need to find a new therapist for Henry. Mm. End of story. We don't have this problem. We don't end up in the mines later. <laughs> because what happens instead is he like goes nuts yeah. on Henry Calling him, a, telling him he's got a psychosis from these delusions. They started and as delusions.
0: Threatening to put him in a home.
1: Threatening to lock him away, and he doesn't want to see that happen to him.
0: And this is just, really intense. That
1: is a that it. There should have been no coming back from this break of trust.
0: And you know what? Maybe that's uh, maybe that's his defining character trait. Way too much escalation.
1: Ooh, you know, because we've seen it happen in both stories. It's yeah. it's he goes really for, he goes from from zero to murder curse. I don't know.
0: <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. It's so weird. You can't see the the intense eyes I am giving at Elaine right now, They're but big. it's like it's like what the hell. But I think we're we're um, missing something important here, Please. which which is that um, in the middle of these scenes, we see Emma accepting the role as deputy. We get a nice little cute scene with her kind of flirting with uh, her new boss. It
1: was cute.
0: It was cute. Um, And as she puts on the deputy badge, boom, like the town shakes. And uh, we find out very quickly that the mine has collapsed. Yes. Yeah. So this is kind of, we talked about it in the the plot synopsis. So we don't have to go to the mine, the side of the mine. We get lots of uh, moments between Emma and... uh, and then Regina, where they're kind of,
1: they're, they're just having their alpha contest.
0: Yeah, they're kind of having their alpha contest, and Emma's like, "Well, my job now is to, uh, to uh, do what I'm supposed to do." But yeah, I don't think we need to get too into the nitty gritty on that. But no, they they do they
1: do have a moment where they say arguing with each other is not going to solve anything. It's not going to rescue Henry, and they come to a truce then. That they're just there to get Henry out.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the second time bring we have him back. To at me. the mine side. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that happens several times. And they finally come to a truce about it. And we don't have to worry about them just bickering for bickering's sake again.
0: Because five episodes in, I'm getting exhausted It's it. so
1: tiring. Just kiss.
0: <laughs> there was a moment where I really think...
1: There was a very good... There was a moment in here where it was very tender and heartfelt. And I thought that would be... A kiss wouldn't have made sense there, but it... A hug. Uh, I felt like, like a, a hug was too. warranted. Yeah. So... He goes down into the mine and he gets trapped in the mine with Henry. Yes. The, the, the entrance collapses. Henry has found an intricate piece of glass, which resembles something that Regina put into her pocket at the beginning of the episode. And he thinks he sees the source of it and he keeps going deeper into the mines to get it and Archie's just trying to get it. Henry originally thinks, oh, you're down here because you finally believe me. And Archie says, no, I'm scared for you. What, because I'm crazy?
0: No. No, because you're underground in a fricking mine.
1: I'm gonna find proof. You'll see. You'll see. Kid is crazy.
0: He's a little off.
1: He's a little. He's a little obsessed. It's. It's the David Nolan and um and Henry both have a similar obsession theme in this episode. They are one tracked about it.
0: Oh, just like ten year old
1: cannot see his danger.
0: Yeah, no, he does not. I mean, he's a ten year old, so uh, danger assessment isn't that great. There's some um. I forget what the concept is, but it's part of uh developmental psychology that you do have a hard time uh really having a firm grasp of consequences of actions uh until you hit a certain level of psychosocial development and some adults don't even really fully grasp it. Huh? Yeah, it's like I said it's a part of social development, but it's why teenagers are statistically more likely to engage in risky behaviors, whether that be unprotected sex or driving without a license or all the things that we see teenagers doing jumping do. off
1: a roof onto a trampoline.
0: Yeah, it's because your brain has not quite processed the 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 full consequences of actions.
1: Fair. Well that's absolutely in play here. Yeah. I'm just, I am just happy for the sake of this whole episode that uh, we definitely saw that the umbrella made it into the cave. Yes. Like as soon as he falls into the cave and that thing falls, Archie picks his umbrella up off the ground. So we know he has it. It's, it's Chekhov's umbrella.
0: Yes. We also got a nice uh, reference to the um, other big ABC show that was on around this time with the Apollo candy bars, which Apollo candy bars are a lost reference.
1: Oh, also the Apollo candy bars were uh, like the Hansel and Gretel pebble of of how he knew that Henry had gone into the mines because he was bringing the candy bars down into the mine for sustenance because he's a 10 year old.
0: I just sorry. I just noticed how I was sitting towards Elaine. I'm wearing a skirt and I've just got like one leg propped up one way, one leg propped up the other way. I'm glad it was a long skirt.
1: Meanwhile, I am in a skirt too, but the little TV tray that my microphone is on is keeping my knees together like a lady.
0: <laughs> I'm no lady. I'm something more. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know how to respond to you when you talk like that. <laughs> okay, so, so they have this thing. I've
0: decided I'm going to talk like a diner well, waitress for the rest of the episode.
1: How did you feel about, well, now that we're trapped in this cave together, let's have a heart to heart. Like They 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 come to a truce. They work together. They find an elevator. They start the painstaking process of slowly half-inching their way up this tube because they can hear Pongo barking above. And that's when the dynamite that was supposed to clear the entrance to the mine explodes and breaks the elevator.
0: Way to break it, Hero.
1: I tried. That's I, Marco's idea, too.
0: Yeah, I, I actually like that that happens. Yeah. It's, it's very tropey, but we Ooh. need a reason for these w- two characters to I was to fine really- with that.
1: Archie opens up about himself, about how he just doesn't think he's a good person. So he's able to earn the trust back by sort of telling on himself, just to use a phrase my own counselor has used whenever he's told me personal stories to identify. He tells on himself a little bit just to show I'm human too. I'm not perfect. Yeah. I'm not a good person.
0: Now... I don't want to go away from this or talk too much about what's happening above the mine right now, mm-hmm. but I did want to note I loved that Archie had this observation about Regina, which is that yes. uh, Archie's line about Regina that she's afraid if he, she's she has a very specific path in mind for Henry and if he leaves that path, she becomes very afraid. And And
1: that's natural.
0: And that's natural. I wrote that down too. Yeah, I I grew up in that kind of household. My parents had a very particular plan for me, and that has not happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it's caused a lot of friction in our lives. And so I've, I felt like that was a really good thing to have in this show, both for parents watching this and older teens who are probably tuning in, because I think that would be the audience for this. So parents and older teens, it's a family show, yeah, yeah. but it's not like a kid show.
1: I mean, I watch it on my own, but you know. I was I was in the other target demographic. Of yeah, s- single white twenty something, thirty something. I don't remember how old it was.
0: Either way, a glass of Pinot Grigio was involved. So.
1: Yep, and some soft cheese.
0: But yeah, I really like that. What we saw above the mine with Regina, I finally, this confirms for me. So, do you really love Henry? of course I do, I'm his mother, that that's a bunch of BS. They
1: scrapped that because she she, actually does love this kid. She
0: very clearly loves him. She very clearly wants to protect him and wants what is best for him, even though her her approach is questionable at best.
1: Mm -hmm. She is absolutely horrified this whole episode.
0: Yes, and she's vulnerable in a way we have not seen her be. Mm In the series she, so far.
1: She asks, well, Emma asks, what can I do to help? And she doesn't say something crappy. She's like, just get my son back.
0: Just yeah.
1: bring him to me. Like, she actually accepts Emma's help in this because she's so freaked out. And I, I'm okay with that. I yeah. get that. We want to see that. Yeah. We want to see that. So Back in the.
0: Back in the mine.
1: Back in the mine. We're having a heart to heart. We're regaining trust. Yeah. Which very much needed. Luckily, Henry is a very generally forgiving person, unless you're his mother.
0: Unless you're his mother.
1: And it
0: it, it did feel it felt like I needed again, I needed a little more push, a little more to happen in this interchange in their their storyline for Henry to seem so willing to turn around on Hopper. Well, here's why I think
1: he realizes that he put them both in grave danger. Yeah, He does realize that the reason that they are dangling in an elevator in a mine shaft right now is because Archie had to come after him. So he apologizes for that and he accepts his part of the blame in that because his beliefs put Archie in danger. So I see how that that change happens so quickly there. And then Archie completely apologizes, says he doesn't he didn't mean any of the stuff he said he had to say it because of the stuff we said from Regina. She's just scared. And she just wants the best for him. But he also wants the best for him. And then we come to the line that you liked so much. Which was, uh, why is this, let's revisit why is this so important to you.
0: Oh yeah, let's revisit why this is so important to you. We, we read it at the beginning in the intro. Um, and I think that 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 is a part of the thesis of this show. And it ties into why I didn't personally have too much issue with the Jiminy Cricket olden timey days storyline, the origin story. Because ultimately it is hopeful. Yes. And we've talked a little bit about how hope is the central concept of this show, especially this season. Hope for a better world. Hope for the future. When we're in Jiminy Cricket's origin story, he has hope for Geppetto. He has hope for his parents, even. He even has hope for his parents. And so in the self-sacrificing nature of it, where he becomes a cricket to go and guide Geppetto, which we didn't get to talk about it, but nothing could have prevented Geppetto's late onset adult Italian and Italianism, <laughs> where he goes from being a child with no accent to an adult with a heavy accent. It's but, just, you know,
1: you know, it's, it depends that cricket influence.
0: Being Italian is a serious medical condition that should not be made. By maybe,
1: us. maybe the cricket accent and the Italian accent sound very familiar, and so when he grew up speaking cricket this whole time, it just came out Italian.
0: Yeah. Also, don't rag on me. I'm Italian. <laughs> if you have to send your ads to me,
1: <laughs> I'm just an improviser that doesn't do accents very well. So let's let's skip forward. We get out of the mine. Uh, Archie almost dies. Thank God for the umbrella. It hooks on a carabiner on Emma's belt.
0: Which I got to say, that is a well-constructed umbrella because I'm living down here where it is rainy and windy for seven months out of the year, eight months out of the year, just every single day. And I go through some umbrellas. I got to
1: give props to the umbrella. You know who else I got to give props to? Archie's upper body strength.
0: Yeah, which he suddenly had upper body strength. Right. Good for him. We
1: had just ragged on how Regina couldn't go down the hole because she works at a desk all, all day. She's not going to be athletic enough to make it down the hole, which was a valid argument because Emma yep. is more athletic. And then Archie, the therapist, has the upper body strength to be pulled out of a hole by an umbrella.
0: Hey, I'm I'm suddenly curious what's under that sweater and all that I wonder tweed. what's
1: under that sweater.
0: I do like redheads. <laughs>
1: Now let's get to the part that made me mad,
0: yeah we get
1: I, we get out yeah. of the hole. Archie's very excited he's gonna be he's going to be the man he wants to be from here on out. He goes straight to Regina and says, "I'm going to keep doing things my way. She tries to threaten again, and he stops and counter threatens by saying there's a very good possibility that you might end up in a custody battle at some point in the near future, which just made me stop,
0: yeah, it's. That's another case of his escalation going way too far because you are threatening this woman, her family, and her kid.
1: It was, it was too far.
0: It was too far.
1: It, it felt bad. I like, I can't even verbalize how uneasy this made me feel. This whole string of, if you end up in a custody battle with someone, which once again, reinforces this, this enemy ship of Emma.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Emma's coming to take your kid.
1: Like it reinforces the stereotype that that bio mom's coming to take the kid. But he not only reinforces that, he backs up that he will tell the courts who's the more fit parent.
0: And it doesn't make sense for him to say that because Emma has expressed to him.
1: That she doesn't want that.
0: Now, we the audience have seen Emma confront Regina and say he's my kid too.
1: In this episode specifically. In this
0: episode, she said he's my son too, which is a big Big step for her. Yes, but I feel that that step gets undercut by this attack from
1: Doctor. Archie. I just, I remember, I, I, I just. Like, I'm
0: sorry. I'm like getting like really animated. It made me so mad. No,
1: I, it's like I, I'm still trying to find words to process how I feel about this, and it's just one of those things that makes me stutter. I'm so uncomfortable
0: now. I, for me, a better choice would be for him to. Talk about how in his professional opinion, what she did hurt Henry and put his life at risk. And maybe in his professional opinion, Henry is not the problem here. And force Regina to have a moment of character growth as opposed to playing off of her worst insecurities and doing it in a incredibly unethical way.
1: Like the... I know. And then he, he follows it up with, so you can try your worst, but I'm going to keep doing my best. Like,
0: You're not at your best right now, buddy. Like, Bruh. This isn't, this is not Bruh, this isn't.
1: This isn't cute. This was not a cute moment for him. And while I understand what they're trying to get across, that he's got a backbone and he's standing up for himself and he's taking responsibility for his patient's well-being. God, you could
0: have done it different. I think it gets into the internal ethics of the show. The, the which there
1: are none. There are, <laughs> but
0: they're maybe not um, morally in line with like you and my personal ethics and mindset. Because it's know. TV,
1: it's TV, and it's dramatic, it, and
0: it's TV, it's ABC, and it's um, it's frankly, it's even for when it came out, which is about nine years ago now, it was dated. You know, we talk about it with the adoption issues. It's dated.
1: It, it just kept, it once again reinforced those negative adoption stereotypes that we mm-hmm. keep harping on that are such a big problem for this particular season of this show.
0: Just wait till we get to the consent issues. Because <laughs> we're coming up on them. We're em.
1: coming up on the consent issues. <laughs> we're not there yet, but wait till we get there. All right. Do you That's have any- a
0: n- normal response to consent issues. <laughs>
1: Do we have anything else to say about Archie's questionable ethics?
0: I have nothing to say.
1: Um. Okay.
0: Nothing polite.
1: Here is here is the final the final tidbit that I wanted to talk about. Now in the intro in the intro it does I I've, I've been harping on you know the audience do, doesn't actually know Carlin. The audience doesn't actually know if Regina knows or not, except I was listening to the intro for once a day instead of skipping it. Only one knows the truth and only one can break her spell. Okay, so sure, the announcer says it, but we're not supposed to know that outside of the intro, right? Right. This was the first episode where the whole show blatantly told us that Regina still remembers because the piece of glass that she had shoved in her pocket and she threw down the air grate... Was from the glass coffin. Yes. The Snow White's glass coffin is down the mine shaft. All the proof is down the mine shaft.
0: So Henry was right. So
1: Henry was right. Yeah. Yeah. This was the first episode where we are shown in this world that Henry is right.
0: Henry is right. And magic is real.
1: And the magic happened in this show. As soon as she put that badge on, that was her saying, I'm staying here. Her decision to stay set off the mine explosion, cl- cave in thing. Yeah. And that's the first time we saw Emma's face change. Like there's several times where she's like, did you do anything different? And she's like, I put this badge on. <laughs> and the world shook. It's where we see Emma starting to doubt her own sanity.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that. Not that her doubting her sanity part, but I like that throughout the show, Emma is not, in my opinion, At this point in the show, Emma is not the chosen one because she's Snow White and Prince Charming's fated child. Right. She is the chosen one because she chooses... To save this town and yes. save the people in it.
1: Well, she was never the chosen one because she was Snow White and Prince Charming. No, she she was destined to be the chosen one just because of who she is, not who she came from.
0: Because into each generation, a chosen one is born. One wor- one girl alone against the world, chosen to slay the demons, the darkness, and the vampire. Wait, wait, I'm on the wrong. I was show. just
1: letting you go, man. I loved <laughs> it. I was like, yes, please do the Buffy intro. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the first time where the audience is actually blatantly told Regina knows. And I give props to that. That was a good way to do it. Henry was right about his suspicions about his mother at the beginning when she pocketed the thing. He was right about the mine. And he's right about the town.
0: Which maybe he shouldn't know those things. Well. Because that's not necessarily the best for his health and safety right now. No.
1: But he does have the advantage of at least the person who did this to the town. Loves him and does want the best for him, even if she's controlling of him and uses a bit of guilt to control. Thematic connect. Look
0: at that.
1: Look at me. All right. So that's all I had to talk about today. Now, what was your, what, what about this episode made you like it so much?
0: I thought it was just overall, it was really strong. I mean, it it definitely had its, its stumbling blocks. Like again, Archie's speech and his, his background origin story has some definite weak moments, but on the whole, it fell into what I watched this show for, which is the themes of hope and uh, the themes of character growth, which I saw a lot of character growth in this episode. I also really enjoy the concept of found family. And this show, this episode in particular, had it. You know, we had Emma identifying as Henry's mother. I don't think she sees herself in Henry as in the role of Henry's mother be- just because she gave birth. But because she has assumed the role of protecting him.
1: We and also had Marco and, and Marco and um and Archie.
0: Exactly. We have Marco and Archie who are in the background all the time as Still best friends. Still best friends. Still so close.
1: I'm really glad that the curse didn't take that away from them.
0: Me too. Me too.
1: Like of all the things you'd think the curse would have broken them up. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. I couldn't. Well, they're commoners, yeah. so. I while I agree that no the noticed. story elements, the story elements of this episode We're fine. All the moral, ethical decisions made by Archie seemed too extreme and uncomfortable. And they just made me angry. And I guess they were supposed to. So good job, writers. But they felt like he should get his license taken.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely fair. But And I also also said a little earlier that uh, if it's pretty and it entertains me, I like it more. And I will say this episode across the board was well filmed.
1: The mind stuff was great.
0: It was very well acted. The, yes. The, we didn't talk about it at length, but the, the intimate moments between Regina and Emma were so strong. There is a moment where I, I genuinely feel like Regina is fighting the urge to hug Emma because <laughs> of her relief. And then she doubles down on get away from me. Um, mm-hmm. But as you saw on our Twitter page, Regina is by Fight me. I
1: back it up. I back that up. Um, okay. Uh, best dress.
0: Okay, so best dress I wanted to talk about, because yes. I'm going to post this one on our Twitter. When Emma appears in her first scene of this episode, she's wearing the classic red Emma jacket. This is the red jacket that we think of when we think of Emma. And we're told that this is the same jacket she wore in the pilot. They don't say, oh, it's the jacket you wore from the pilot. It's the one but you
1: rode into town with.
0: But yeah, it's the one you rode into town with. That is, This is, not, this is not the same jacket. It has a different collar. It has a different weight to the leather. And it's tailored. Mm. Like her her old jacket was kind of boxy. This one has like a peplum oh. and goes out. It is a different jacket. It's a very cute jacket. I love this and it, jacket. And
1: it becomes the jacket.
0: And it becomes the jacket. But this is not the same jacket from the pilot. Maybe wearing red jackets is her signature move. But the I again, didn't. the internal logic of the show always establishes that the red jacket is the Red jacket. And it, it it's like one of those weird costume things that drives me off the wall. Because this is a different jacket. I miss and I want this jacket.
1: I miss the blue jacket.
0: You like blue. I like red. I like
1: red too. I'm yes. wearing red today. I'm wearing purple.
0: But I love the collar on this jacket. It's got this nice like stiff high collar. But it's not like overdone. And am mm-hmm. um, I love leather jackets. I own... For someone that lives in a place where the weather never gets really below 65... Even in the winter, except for about, we'll get like five days of like actual winter. Actual a year. winter
1: below freezing. Yeah, yeah. I own a lot of jackets. A lot. I will. I will agree with Emma's jacket being best dressed.
0: Emma's. I. I. I for me, the jacket being there, Emma's best dressed.
1: My next best dressed goes to Ruby.
0: Just lounging. <laughs> No lines in the episode. She's and just lounging. She's watching Pongo at the site. In this like black boots. suit-esque like look. It's not a suit, but she's wearing like a nice jacket, red top, boots. She's got her hair up. High-heeled boots. I was like, who is that in high-heeled boots? In this- it's Ruby. I want these boots. I want those. I used There's... to have some
1: like it, but they were a little too small.
0: But just like the just the, the visual image of this extremely tall woman- in this, like, black suit mm-hmm. with her amazing eye make, I love her eye makeup oh, and every Oh, she got week. to hit on Billy. She got to hit on Billy. Her hair is so cute this episode. At first, I thought she'd cut it. And then I realized she had it just, like, pulled up and back into the side. And she a had, like, way.
1: she had the bump because the bumps were a big thing.
0: And it actually works on well, her. it works on her. I was like, she can wear it whatever she wants. So, yeah, it was, it was Emma this episode because Emma got lines. Because mm-hmm. Ruby got... No, oh. lines.
1: no, no. I, I just love that Ruby was there and still got our next best dress.
0: I also love that she was driving a truck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, she gave her car got wrecked.
0: Yeah. But she's the one who's like, she's driving the tow truck. She's using the winch. I'm like, I love this.
1: <laughs> okay. So Chekhov's umbrellas. Let's use Chekhov's umbrellas as ratings today.
0: Chekhov's umbrellas. Cause that umbrella has to find a purpose for me. I feel this is a really strong episode, even like, especially for a first season episode. I give it four umbrellas out of five.
1: I'm going to, because it made me so mad. Uh, and we're early on, so I still haven't figured out exactly where my rating system is yet. I'm going to give it a 2.75 out of, are we saying four or five? Five? Yes. Out of five? A 2.75 out of five Chekhov's umbrellas. Because it, his jumps from his jumps from calm to rage... Um, didn't seem natural. Uh, and I just felt bad for the actor that he had to be like that.
0: Oh, which is when Jiminy's looking at the sky and he says, I wish. And yeah. I was like, oh, is he going to sing? Are we going to do, do it to I the bush? wish. <laughs> more than anything. More than life. Okay, so we do have a game. Oh, okay. We need to have our, our trivia game, our Two Truths and a Lie. This one is super obscure, but I think you'll have fun with it.
1: Okay, let me slurp out of this thing.
0: So Jiminy's mother who's credited as Myrna in this episode. is played by Carolyn Hennessy. Carolyn Hennessy is actually also a voice actor with a ton of credits. Um, a lot of video games and anime, oddly enough, but I found some that were all really obscure, and I wanted you to guess which of the two of these are real voice acting credits that she has, and the third is a lie, and I'm gonna see if you can guess it. Crap. Okay, in Lego Star Wars... She played General Leia Organa in the Casper the Friendly Ghost video game. She played Casper. Hmm. And in the direct-to-video sequel to Cinderella, Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True, she played the role of the stepmother. I've seen the Lego. Not the Lego movie, the it. Lego video game.
1: Nope. So so these are not, none of these that I have any experience with. Even Cinderella 2, I never saw that. So I'm going to say... I'm gonna say she didn't do uh, the evil stepmother in Cinderella.
0: That's correct. Yes, she was not the evil stepmother, but she did voice Casper in the Casper video game tie-in. That, that
1: seemed the most likely for some reason. I was like, I was like, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Lego Star always, Wars. It's always a lady. It's always a lady playing a little boy.
0: Yeah, but she has some, She has some odd credits. Like I, I was love going it. through it. She's she's done some uh, voice work for like. Star Trek, I think. She's done Star Wars. She's done so many animes and anime and JRPGs. I was like, this is buck wild.
1: And then she just disappears. And we never see what happens to her.
0: She, yeah. yeah, They just leave. They just
1: cut that. They just cut that one.
0: Yeah. And I want to know because these two, pe- these two people have big stage actor energy.
1: Oh my God. Don't they?
0: That's why. That's why Into the Woods has been stuck in my head this entire episode since watching it because it made me want to watch Into the Woods. Well,
1: they... I believed that they were um gamers.
0: I, I feel I, that. I
1: absolutely, like these people, these people hang out at Ren Fairs.
0: Oh yeah. They well, I mean, yeah, they, they, they do they their were puppet puppets. show.
1: They, they reminded me of, you know, the characters that some of my friends play at Renaissance festivals.
0: And I, I need to point out, because I'm obnoxious, um, that when I say I want to rewatch Into the Woods, I want to rewatch the film 1988 one that was on public broadcasting and not the really crappy one with uh, James Corden.
1: I want to watch it for a minute. Oh, I do like. I said her name.
0: Anna Kendrick. Anna
1: Kendrick. I called her a man.
0: She's the high point of the Anna Twilight Kendrick. franchise. She's
1: the, she's the best part of the Twilight franchise. <laughs> I love that poor woman. I love her. I love her so much. This is our Anna Kendrick appreciation po- point of the podcast where I mispronounced her name at the beginning. And here we are. Um, I would watch it for her.
0: Yeah. But also, I, th- I believe she does have a, a part in Once Upon a Time at some point. So.
1: Does she? I uh, I don't right, know.
0: We'll have to look it up.
1: We'll have to see. Okay. Well, that's all I've got.
0: Did we get any fan questions this week?
1: We we got one, but I, we got Corey Corey sent in, but I think he jumped ahead. He jumped ahead in plot. But I'm going to say what Corey's gripe was as soon as I find
0: So for these questions, we do not hold our guests responsible for the same uh, level of trying not to do spoilers as we hold ourselves. So I'm going to issue a short spoiler warning, but this is our our little viewer mail section.
1: All right. So the the Twitter response we got as to what is your, what is your tweet length rant about this episode? At Mr. What's-His-Name says, sucks that Jiminy ends up babysitting a puppet after everything that happened beforehand. Almost like Geppetto and Blue did it on purpose.
0: <laughs> Agreed. Um, and I did talk about some, some wood later, which we will get to. Is that this season? Or is that next season? I don't When is, when is that? But yeah, it does suck for Gemini that he eventually, I mean, we know the story of Pinocchio. He winds up being the puppet's conscience. So why did Gemini not tell Geppetto? Hey man, you're getting into some real dark stuff. You're making the golem. That's fine. You know, it's a protectorate spirit, but you're trying to imbue it with life. You're trying to meddle with what should be God's domain. Geppetto,
1: Geppetto, Geppetto, Geppetto. All magic comes with a price. All magic
0: comes at a price, Geppetto. <laughs> it got super intense there. I just felt
1: like... Sorry, I was just staring. I was just staring with my hands on the side of my head. That's all I've got.
0: I think that's it for the episode.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Storybro.
0: Miserably Ever After. You can find us wherever fine podcasts are found, whether that be Spotify, Libsyn, Stitcher, or iTunes. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you find us. That helps us move up in the rankings because we can't do this show without you. Be sure to share our show and tell your friends about it because we love you.
1: All right. So we record on Sundays. So on November 22nd, we will be recording for episode...
0: Episode six. Six.
1: Uh, So if, once you hear this, if you have a rant about some storyline or costuming change or actor's portrayal in episode six, send us one tweet-length rant and it might get featured on the show.
0: Special thanks to Corey Watts' name for uh, sending us that question this week. We can't wait for next week. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's get like really like actory right now. Like the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue.
1: The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. <laughs>